Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. Thanks for the pause there, Pete. Take your time. No need to jump right in because Pete's we're in all a different. What? He's in a different part of the brain. He's, <laughs> He's like a, down where the like bathroom stuff is. Oh, uh, the medulla oblongata, perhaps. Yeah, he's just checking and see if it's time to pee or time to poop. <laughs> Sweet. For Real, David Holler. That's gross, man. Real adult baby stuff going on here. We're talking about the first episode of Legion Season 3, Chapter 20. This is the official kickoff to the final season of Legion and... Boy, am I sad. I'm so sad to see this show go, particularly after this first episode here, which, oh, man, this is we talk about every episode of this podcast, how good the show is. But this is also one of, if not the most confident show on TV. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I mean, this show is so good. It just you st- this episode starts so far away from the actual story yeah. and then just takes us there in a way that it's just you can't look away. It's so visually interesting. It's so interesting. Every facet of it. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's it's really intense and um, over the top and beautiful and tripped out. It's really just so unique of a television show. Uh, every episode, it's just exciting to see what we're going to get. Yeah, that's sort of how I've started to uh, sell it to people a little bit, uh, because I was trying to tell some people uh, why they should watch the show. And it's tough to be like, oh, yeah, it's a spinoff of the X-Men movie series. You know how it is. All good, because that's absolutely (laughs) not true. Uh, Yeah. I tried to describe it to somebody. I was like, you just don't know what it's going to be second to second. Sometimes... It is a musical. Sometimes it is an action TV show. Sometimes it's something else. And that's what's so cool about it. It's a show. I can do it pretty easily. It's a show where we follow the follow the heroic exploits of Amal Farouk, the Shadow King, <laughs> as he goes to take on the number one villain in the X-Men universe, uh, David Holler, a.k.a. Legion. Yeah, he's a pretty big guy. Uh, Well, let's get into the recap on that note, because lots of stuff going on and going into this episode. The primary one you just mentioned is David Haller, our ostensible hero, turned out to be the villain at the end of the last season uh, in a very real way, where he wiped the memory of his girlfriend, Sid. Uh, He took advantage of her and essentially raped her, um, and it was not anything that anybody was willing to forgive very quickly uh, or at all and or as they should you know, can't he disappeared that. with Lenny uh, his former best friend that also used to be part of his mind that's probably the simplest way to put it uh, she left to be with him to help him out on his journey the opposite end of the spectrum as you mentioned is Amal Farouk the former parasite known as the Shadow King who lived inside of David's head uh, and he uh, Amal turned out to be helping. Oh God, I always get away. Uh, Division three is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, could be. Uh, Division three, the uh, mm. mutant soldier task force that is now, as we pick up this season, as we find out, is going after David is their main M.O., the thing that's going on with him. Uh, So Division 3 is made up of a bunch of different folks. There's Clark, who is a human. He was scarred horribly by David way back in the premiere of the show. There's also uh, two characters uh, that you should probably know about that are super important. Uh, Justin, could you explain who they are? 
Sure. There's uh, they are two char- characters that exist in the same body. Uh, right. One a man, the other a woman, and they're named Carrie and both Carrie. named Carrie. Yep. Both no. have the same. No, name. no, no. They're different names. No. They're different, different names, and they're spelled differently. They're Carrie and Carrie. Pete. Yeah. Can you right. hear? Exactly. Can you hear the difference, Pete? It's, you're saying the same thing twice. Maybe you're like it's like being colorblind, but you're like <laughs> character blind. Yeah, you're carry blind. You're carry blind yeah. because, or maybe you're carry blind. I can't tell. I think which. it's. I think he's carry blind. Yeah. Uh, well, it's definitely one of the two. Uh, so there are two characters. Uh, Carrie is the action person. Uh, she uh, jumps into combat. She seems to be super strong, but I don't think we've ever got any definition of her powers necessarily. And then there's Carrie, who is the brain of the operation, played by Bill Irwin. Uh, he is a super scientist in the classic Marvel mode. Other characters you probably know about on that side of things. There's also Tonomy, who we thought died last season. His brain was taken inside of a supercomputer uh, run by Admiral Fukuyama, uh, and he seemed to, his body died and disappear forever. Clearly, as we find out this episode, that didn't, in fact, happen. We also mentioned Sid. Sid's power is to touch people and become them, or touch creatures and become them, uh, though that doesn't really come into play here. She was obviously very hurt by David, very destroyed by what happened with him, because they were almost two halves of the same person the way that they were presented the last season. Uh, and the other thing that you should probably know, which you may know from the comic books, but David's parents are Gabriel Haller, who's a regular human, and Professor Xavier, you probably know as Professor X. Charles Xavier. Charles Xavier, a.k.a. Jamie Mack, a.k.a. Patty Stews, a.k.a. uh, probably a couple of other folks. Uh, I think Patty Stews says it all. Patty Stews. Patty Stews. Yeah, so uh, anyway, famous character. Hasn't really showed up yet, but we're going to find out a little bit more about him this season. And that's kind of what you need to know going into this episode. So let's jump into it. Uh, As mentioned, we start in the first half of the episode with an entirely new character who later on we find out she's named Switch. Uh, A little bit of background on this actress. She is an actress named Lauren Tsai, and she has no acting roles. She was previously on a show called Terrace House, which is a reality show, very popular in Asian countries. Um yeah, that's pretty much it. But I thought she was awesome in this episode. I thought she was so, so good. good. I would like to say before uh, we kind of who, officially get... Do you, do you guys want to walk us through this at all? Uh, Justin, do you want to do that? Yeah, wait, I wait. could. Oh, go ahead. Before we do, I just wanted to say one thing I want to touch upon is that Aubrey Plaza is a national treasure, and this show gets to showcase her range and how amazing she is. Uh, she wasn't in the episode a lot, though, Pete. Still a national treasure. Okay, just a small treasure. By the way, we talked about this last episode. You're going to go see Child's Play, Pete? Uh, no, no, I'm not. I don't like scary uh, movies. Yeah, but Aubrey Plaza is in it. If she's a national treasure, it's kind of like you're going and shitting on Abraham Lincoln's lap. Wow, man. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's kind of a jump. I mean, that's if you're gonna if you're gonna do that with national treasures. Uh, that's that's where we're going. That's what's happening that's, right now. That's a classic thing to do. Is uh, a form of protest is shitting on Abraham Lincoln's lap. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, let's keep going. Uh, uh, what, yes, what you... I'll dive in. Yeah, um, go for it. So we uh, we kick off the show with uh, kick off the episode with learning a little bit about some rules of time travel. Yes. Uh, uh, now this is uh, not to immediately stop you one sentence into the recap. No, but... that's good. That's yeah. all I got. <laughs> I'd like to time travel back and restart that. Okay. Uh, so we're X-Men fans. We're comic book fans, right? We, we enjoy sure. the X-Men comic books. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Switch, famous character in the X-Men comic books, right? Yeah. Very huge famous. Very yeah. famous. What's, what's your favorite, favorite. Uh, Switch storyline? Yeah, there's this one where Switch goes um, is with uh, the boring old Wolverine. Uh-huh. And they like the briefly switch um, places. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So Switch is a nothing character who's part of the Hellions, which is the New Mutants esque team that uh, exists in the Hellfire Club, which is essentially the evil Westchester Academy. Switch in the comics is a a dude, 
and B doesn't have the same powers at all. Switch, in fact, switches minds with people, hence the name. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is something entirely different. And then beyond that, this is very much jumping ahead, but as we discover over the episode, Switch, uh, it seemingly has two time travel powers. She can fast forward through her own timeline, and then she could also travel to some other dimension where she can go back in time by chunks of time. Right. Uh as far as I could recall, this is like no other power that I've ever seen in the comics. Don't forget about the demon dog that she can't go too far back or she'll upset the demon dog. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That, that is another thing. But just talking about the time travel thing, there's so many different time travel powers we've seen in the comics. Is there anything even remotely similar? Uh, not in the same, because I love the way, I mean, leave it to Noah Hawley, the, the uh, creator of the show, the showrunner, the way that he does everything so uh, practically, as opposed to having her just like jump through a portal. We've seen that a hundred times. Like she goes to it like what looks like an airport and chooses a different doorway with a different uh, time demarcation on it with a, yeah. a, a demon dog down in the dark side of the, the hallway that is slowly getting closer. Like, so interesting, so cool. I love it. Yeah, me too. Uh, so original. So sh- uh, Switched, I was about to call her Shift. Uh, Switch, as we follow her, she... We learn a lot of stuff about her. We learn that her father isn't present. We learn later on that he has a room full of what she calls robots, that we don't really get to see what's inside of that. And clearly something is missing in her life, right? Uh, Yeah. Also, it has like a fun kind of like matrix start to it where like she's getting kind of messages that she's got to kind of follow. Yeah. uh, She's getting these messages. uh, Well, my point is that she clearly something is not working in her life. And then based on that she ends up following these messages to down the rabbit hole, essentially like literally down a rabbit hole at a certain point. Um, But it, it's pretty clear early on that these are from Lenny. These are from David. We don't actually find out why they need a time traveler this episode. Do you have any theories at this point? Uh, The one that came to mind instantly for me was she's uh, David wants to go back in time to fix his mistakes so he can get back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so he's been planting these messages in different forms of media, trying to find a, a time-traveling mutant, and then he finally gets one with Switch. Yeah, it's. I do wonder whether he's like, I want to go back and fix everything with Sid and make everything better, or if he has another plan at this point. This is very much jumping forward, but... One of the things that I really liked about this episode in particular is it does an excellent job of... Uh, making it clear that David is not the hero. Like, it isn't like, yeah. and now he's going on his redemption art. He is a villain in this episode. Well, it, it, even beyond that, he's like a jackass. Yeah. Like, he's a dick. And it's really, I, I, I give him so much credit for just committing to that um, and making him not only of the evil villain, but also the shithead villain of yeah. the episode. Uh, really great move. Yeah, it's... It's a fascinating thing to do because it isn't something that we've seen on TV before. We've seen villain origin stories at length on lots of other shows, but never as the focus. Like, it's always to contrast the hero, and the focus is always on the hero. Here, Dan Stevens, playing David Holler, he is the focus of the show. He's the title character, but he's the bad guy, and he's probably only going to get worse by the end of the series, I would think. Oh, yeah. And also, he didn't start that way. We didn't know we were watching a villain kind of origin story. We thought we were watching a hero origin story, and then the team switched. No, I, I've been rooting for the Shadow King the whole time. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? really? You were rooting for Legion? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, now that you say that, though, that is pretty true to the comics, right? Like, Legion yeah. is the bad guy. Yeah, I loved, I, from the beginning, I was like, that big yellow guy uh, that looks insane <laughs> and is terrifying. That's the, the demon with the yellow show. eyes? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the kind of guy you want to get a beer with. Exactly, and that's how I decide everything in my life. Yes. Do I want to get I... a beer with this person, place, or thing? Yeah, when somebody tells me they like wine, I'm like, no thanks, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. 
But unless it's a, a bottle of wine that I feel like I could get a beer with. Oh, man. <laughs> I think I could sit down and get a beer with this bottle of wine. <laughs> like a nice Chardonnay? Like yeah. have a nice conversation with it? You're like, you're a nice Chardonnay. I'm going to order uh, Golsh. Char- yeah, Golsh. <laughs> Chardonnays love IPA. Oh, man. It's a Do classic. They? Because yeah. it rhymes? Yeah. I actually paused there for a second because I was like, Chardonnay, IPA, ooh, too much of a rhyme. I'll go with something else that doesn't rhyme. But I think you're right. Well, <laughs> nice. It's always the worst thing to rhyme, just as Shakespeare. Okay, but just to actually get back on track, which I'm sure our listeners might appreciate, uh, let's talk about what goes on with Switch because there's so many amazing moments that happen here with her as she starts to figure out this mystery. Uh, Justin, yeah. you want to... Sure, right out of the gate, like this. Uh, you ever seen the movie Run Lola Run? Yeah, from like the late nineties. This really reminded me of that. I love that. Uh, you sort of into this world. You don't quite know the rules, but it feels a little futuristic. You got the basket. Is the basket is watching? Find the orange fish. Uh, she uses her laser finger to make a box. Um, and just like every episode of this show, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not. Um, so I, right at the top, I was like, hmm, I don't know. This could be real. Maybe not. Follow the yellow bus. It's a red bus with the word yellow on it. Boom. Oh, it's hilarious. Such a good moment. differently. Yeah, there you go. It's like Apple, right? Is that uh, think differently or is that IBM that think differently? I don't know, but they fucked up because you don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. I'll just buy all the computers just to be sure. Wow. Smart. Dude, Bold. you're getting a Dell. Nice. So Switch eventually uh, figures it out, and she ends up at this store, and -hmm. it's a very surreal store. It's in a white space. Uh, She's talking to the people. She's trying to track them down through these clothes. Pete, I know because I was watching you watch the episode, you were super upset about the clothes thing. Yeah, well, it's just one of those things where... I really love the imagery of her finding this place, like her going through that uh, those tubes and stuff, really artistically done. And this store we end up at with the clothes shifting back and forth, it was just, um, you know, she was being a little too polite for me, and I was upsetting watching the counter go by so many times without her doing or saying anything. And yeah. it was so obvious she had to yell orange fish. I was yelling orange fish the whole time. That's true. But also I would say never go shopping with Pete because whew, it's just like that. It's intense. Very stressful. They move any piece of clothing. He's like, orange fish. <laughs> it's a and good it doesn't get him anything. But as a plus, every time he goes shopping, he ends up in a different cult. So it's all That's good. true. The I also cola end up cult. with a lot of orange fishes. So she does shout orange fish, at which point uh, she unlocks what they're talking about. Orange fish is salmon. uh, And she ends up at a musical number. They all start singing and that sends her to the cult that David is running as she crawls through a bunch of tubes that take her through uh, seemingly the entire world. uh, She finally ends up there Uh, getting back to that. And we'll talk about this also, I'm sure at the end, because we always end every episode with what's real and what wasn't real. Yeah, we know. Yeah. yeah, You guys know this. Uh, Does, does the cult, like what's happening to her? Does the cult, does this place exist just in David's mind or, what is going on here? What's your take on it? Well, I thought it just existed in his mind for a lot of this. I actually thought that the whole episode was uh, inside his mind and Switch is one of the many personalities that exist in his mind. And her finding him was sort of rising to the top of uh, gaining prominence and maybe he will get her time travel powers. But by the end of the episode, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, huh. uh, Pete, go ahead. I was just going to say that I felt like it was like um, she wasn't in his mind. She was just in this kind of like crazy dimension that she also has access to. And, you know, it, it went in and out of David's mind. And then this other dimension where we got to see like other of our heroes interact as well. Yeah, I th- feel like I've reached the point and this is probably the worst point as a critic to be at, but it doesn't matter, you know, that I don't think we're going to have an explanation. (laughs) Well, I don't think the last hour of the show is going to be like, and just to lay it out for you, here's what was real. It was not real. Just real quick. Uh, That's not going to happen. Instead, 
it exists in this surreal world where almost anything is possible. And things like the white space with the clothes certainly seem like they're being manipulated by mutant powers, that they're not happening in the real world. But then things like Switch crawling through a bunch of tubes doesn't seem possible, or at least seems like, again, it's some sort of mutant power influence type thing. Would be I don't know. Time. I think the reveal at the end of the last episode is going to be that it all took place in the mind of a madman tap dancing on God's fingernail. Oh, shit. Wow. By the way, I love the fact that we got super high before we typed the podcast. That was that was a nice touch. What? Who, who's talking? Uh, <laughs> me, bro. Me, bro. Oh, there I he, love smoking there he is. weed. I love you. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I do think, <laughs> wait, <what>? though, that... <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think, though, that, like... The cult, uh, maybe with all the weird liquids and things that they're ingesting, helps to kind of, kind of like create and also a world where they can all live and be, you know, weird and shit. A, a fun world to get uh, fucked up on blue juice. Yep. So, now, so we go into this is the world once she crawls through the like late 90s Fiona Apple music video portion of the right. show. Uh, we enter like the swinging 60s guru legion uh, era. He's making magic juice. There's a giant pig with smoke nipples. Um, Squirrel. A dude named Squirrel is the alchemist. They got Legion lunchboxes. What do you you think that pig tastes like? Pretty good, right? It's definitely... When they eventually make the Legion theme park, I can't wait to get a little taste of that smoky pig nipple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's probably like sucking on some bacon, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, I don't know. That's, see, that's an easy thing. I think it's going to be like um, just the opposite of that. Uh, Anti-bacon. Oh, anti-bacon? Brussels sprouts? The opposite of bacon is Brussels sprouts, as we always we have said that. on this podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, again, we all know this. We don't need to review this because we talk about exactly. it every episode. Exactly. And the yeah. opposite of apple juice is a uh, bowler hat. <laughs> yeah, again, total agreement. I don't know totally. why we keep saying things that we, we don't all need to remind people. Know. Exactly. It's in the lexicon. Yes. The lexicon. So she does end up with this cult. Uh, she meets a dude uh, who, uh, I don't know if this is going to come out wrong. To me, he seemed like Asian Jimmy Fallon. Oh, interesting. Whoa. Yeah. Just the way he looked. Like, he looked like Jimmy Fallon, but clearly he was not Jimmy Fallon. Um, yeah. He's like, and he came off like Jimmy Fallon playing a stoned dude. So uh, I don't know. He wasn't all like, oh, I love you, man. Thanks for coming on my show. Everything you do is great. I love you. It's it was crazy insane. when they played beer pong to get through <laughs> to the next room, though. Right. Yeah. And he said when he said, hey, everybody, this is the Tonight Show with me, Asian Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Yeah. That was and then a, he invited out Asian Channing Tatum. <laughs> to promote then, what, <laughs> Justin? <laughs> what? I, I don't know. Honestly, I couldn't name a Gambit, many the new Channing Gambit Tatum movie. Movies. Oh, yeah. That officially got canceled, Pete. Ah. <laughs> wow, Pete, the one remaining holdout for the Gambit movie. Good job. And he, oh. he just sighed it away. <laughs> ah. oh, That's why man. it's not getting made. They were hoping for one enthusiastic fan, and they didn't get him, which they was didn't Pete. Get Pete. <laughs> well, we got so, Pete, and then Channing Tatum was like, we, we lost Pete. Yeah, uh, Pete, you got to step up, and then you didn't. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, exactly. My bad. So, uh, I found out my... Na- what? I, I was going to step up, but then I found out my dad just has a room full of robots, and I got super sad. Uh, oh. Yeah. Man, how apropos. Well, Pete, uh, we meet a new character um, named the Breakfast Queen. How yeah. did you feel about her? Yeah, definitely nod on our podcast. Nod yes, because that'll pick up on the audio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to give any verbal responses. You know what I mean? I want to really keep people guessing. Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep it all non-verbs. You know what I mean? Non-verbs. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, keep it, keep it loose. Keep it fresh. Don't say anything on our audio podcast. So, uh, yeah. My my mic picks up a lot of the gestures. Oh, does it? That Uh, I'm doing, yeah. 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 I've had a very Uh, expensive, sensitive mic. (laughs) So, Switch, uh, she's named Switch by Asian Jimmy Fallon and then insists Mm -hmm. on meeting the leader. Uh, Eventually, they bring in Lenny, who doesn't say she's not the leader, but is trying very hard to quiz Switch, who is having none of it. Now... 
This, again, is probably something maybe better saved for the end of the episode, but just because I'm thinking about it now, Switch is very focused on finding David and helping him. I think we know that there's something lacking in her life, like we talked about, but what is her motivation here? To me, it almost feels like there's something else going on with her that she is so passionate about helping David, about saving David, about finding out who he is. What do you think that is? Uh, to me, it's hero worship. Like, And I think it's playing on the idea that we are meant to think that David's a hero. So Switch is like a more uh, convinced version of us, the audience, that he's a hero. And we get to sort of watch him be a evil and also be a dick and be like, ah, Switch, no, I've been there. Uh, and you're doing it wrong now. So it sort of flips the audience surrogate uh, mm. character and where our audience surrogate is us from like six episodes ago and we're not happy. What wow. about you, Pete? Is that your same take? <laughs> yeah. Pete, no, do you I have the same that... exact take as that? No, no, I don't know how anybody could have that exact take. That was insane. I'm glad you smoked so much beforehand. But I think that like... Blue juice, baby. Blue I got that juice. pig. I got that pig at my home. Yeah. The only thing um, I smoked was a nice pork roast. Oh. oh that's uh, just, that's yeah. fucked up, Alex. <laughs> I just felt like it was a lot for her to like see a flyer and then like completely up you know, turn her life, but the kind of reveal that she's like, I'm doing stuff that has, I don't want anything to do with robots and she doesn't think David's a robot. So like it's, I don't know, that kind of explains it a little bit, but it is weird how all in she goes on David for what seems like not a good reason at the time. Mm. Yeah. That was my take on it as well, is that maybe we'll, maybe she's just, this is what she's needed. This is what she's passionate about. She needs yeah. to know about time travel, and this has given her a purpose. But to Justin's point, there seems to be a little more going on there in terms of her connection to David in particular. So we'll have to see how that goes. If this happens to take place all inside David's brain, then I think she's just a smaller personality uh, from his split personality thing, and she's he's the king personality right now, so of course she's subservient to him. Uh, let me throw it out to you guys. If it does turn out in the last episode of the show that everything was, in fact, taking place inside David Holler's mind, how would you feel about that? I'm cool. It's all taking place in my mind, too. Oh, nice. It's like at the end of Inception and when they spun that top and then they were like, what do you think? And I was like, fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Max from Liquid Television, where you kind of at the end find out it's all been in this giant farmer's head the whole time, and it's kind of a little bit of a letdown. I I would be a little let down if it was just all in his head, and he's just drooling in a corner somewhere with a straitjacket on. That would kind of blow. Uh, but what's nice about us not knowing is we just get to enjoy this kind of creative, messed up ride right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair Maybe way it could be that same farmer. That'd be pretty. It's almost on brand for it to be a, a reference to a 90s MTV cartoon that <laughs> I feel like not a lot of people watch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The Max so, was awesome. Getting back to Switch, uh, she does finally get through to Lenny with the mention that she has time travel and she ends up with David in David's chamber. Uh, and this is definitively, I think, something that is in David's mind, right? Like he created this? Yeah. I think yeah. I, that's what I, I mean. That's why. Where's the line? I don't know. I don't even know anymore, man. He's all I super. Mean, he's blissed out. He's that, all that powerful. little trailer park looked like it was in Taylor Swift's new video. So maybe this is all in a Taylor Swift video. That is um, the craziest reference I've ever heard you make, Pete. Yeah. Well, I figured you would like it because you love that shit. Pete, no, have I, you been hanging out with a teenager for some reason? <laughs> You didn't Google Taylor Swift new music video, did you? No, dude. I'm I'm all up on Tay Tay's new shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, this is weird. <laughs> There's a Pete's turned evil. Jesus, you need to calm down, dude. Yeah, whoever, whatever person is impersonating Pete, you got the references wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, um, he's right. So anyway, Switch uh, talks to David, and David gives us a nice little recap of what's previously happened on the show, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, actually unexpected for how much the show throws you in the deep end most of the time for them to put something in the show that does get you caught up with everything that's happened previously. I thought was nice personally. Yeah. Uh, I think the way like it, it sort of like didn't fill you in, in the, in the direct way. And then it put you in well beyond when you normally would get involved in a TV show or the first episode of a new season of a TV show. Yeah. So it's like you're changing horses midstream. Exactly. Can we can we talk about the action in this uh episode? Yeah. I mean, one of the other things that I really loved about this episode is how it grew and grew as it went on. You had that first half focusing on Switch, a character as we mentioned that you've never seen before. Uh and then it just built in terms of the action and opened up and kept looping back to the same things over and over. The structure of this episode was so fantastic that by the end, when they finally reveal the credits for the show at the very last second, I was just chills all over my body yeah. when it happened. And yeah. Excellent. You have the uh, flu. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, coughing a lot and yeah. haven't been sleeping very well. Oh, good. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. This show is uh, making you very sick. Yes. But I did <laughs> love that. It was... It was done in such a creative way, and we got to see different angles. So it was, uh, you know, different but the same each time. And also, it was hilarious how the use of the hook, that giant, like, old stage hook that, like, yeah. old timey, classically trained actors recognize, you know. Well, uh, that's more of a vaudeville thing, Pete, but. Um it was. Uh, I can walk you through it. It was a cartoon, and that it, that that happened in the middle. That gets back to what I was saying at the beginning, where it's like there was a musical number in this episode. There was also, as far as we can tell, in continuity, Asian Jimmy Fallon comes outside. He's blissed out with some tea with uh, David's blood or whatever is going on there. And it's blue juice. Blue juice. It's the blue milk from Star Wars. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And. Then Division Three attacks, and a hook comes out and grabs him so quickly that his teacup hangs in air, spins around a little bit, and then falls down like he's in a Looney Tunes cartoon. It's great. Uh, absolutely yeah, that fantastic. That was glorious. It's great. Uh, and, and we, we kept oh, getting ahead. to see it, too, which was so awesome. So good. So they attack, uh, and then they go down, and in the middle of the conversation with Switch and David, Division Three attacks him, and he wipes them out in the most horrific way possible, uh, which to me underlined the idea that they were making him into the villain pretty clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then he gets shot anyway, and Switch takes the opportunity to jump back in time, which is when we see her hallway. Uh, we also find out about the demon that lurks there. Uh, what oh, do you cool. think is going on with the demon? Do you think it's connected to, say, uh, the m- demon with the yellow eyes or anything like that? No, sure. I think it's uh, sort of the nature of time travel. You can't fuck with it too much or else you're, there's, there's just, there are just rules to it, and I, mm-hmm. I think. Have you ever read, or I think they did a film adaptation of this, uh, Stephen King's The Langoliers? The Langoliers, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking uh, for sure. Yeah. For those of you who don't know it, uh, this is awesome, awesome story. Absolutely terrifying. And I think it's a plane accidentally travels back in time through maybe the Bermuda Triangle or something like that. And they discover that the past doesn't exist because there's these creatures that essentially eat the past and destroy it. That's how the story goes, right, Justin? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it is something like that. I don't know. but um, That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. I'm excited to see how we follow that along because I feel like David or somebody is going to end up in that hallway at some point and we're going to find out what that demon is, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah I love I this action. So. To Pete's point, I love this action sequence when... Uh, when uh, Carrie cuts his arm off, I thought was awesome. Yeah, uh, very well done. Really slick looking, so good. When she when switch time travels and we get to see um, the the scenes from a slightly different perspective, we see the second British David inside the room. Uh, but great. each 
each time it was so stressful because like we got to see people on our team get shot or die. It was it's heartbreaking every time the carries. Aiden, yeah, and I couldn't yeah. take it. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty upsetting too. But it's also one of the things that underlines is how broken the relationship is between David and everybody that he previously was working with. That they're not friends anymore. They're not going to be helping each other out. Uh, other than Lenny, he has none of them, including Sid, who kills him at least twice in this episode. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. she does. Yeah. Uh, and that's not something I, I don't think we're going to come back from that. Like, I don't think there's going to be a heroic arc where David eventually proves himself. I think he's done. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be about like the aftermath of a romance, the way, uh, the way we're, that's going to play out. He took advantage of his girl, man. He's going down. That's just fucked up. Yeah. So uh, uh, and it's get- so much so that they want to take him down that they're willing to have him all Farouk be on their team and sort of leading the team. Um, and also, you can't tell her she's not going because she's going to go every time and yep. shoot the fuck out of David, which you yeah. know she's she deserves. So the second time when Switch jumps back, we get to see her new power that we mentioned earlier. Uh, she fast forwards through her conversation with Letty, which is pretty hilarious. And then she manages to get through to David, telling him. Oh, that's him, funny because I I always fast forward through um, the Lenny parts. Oh yeah, fuck I you. Man. I don't know what the deal with the character. Yeah, so, I did the I did the same thing on Parks treasure. and Recreation. I was just like, eh, I'm yeah. good. Let Let's wow. get back to whatever that boyfriend guy was on season one. Yeah, yeah. Who was that <laughs> poor bastard? I don't know that poor guy. I feel bad for him constantly. He's like the fifth Beatle. Oh, yeah, dude. He's sort of the fifth Chris in a lot of ways, too. <laughs> uh, so uh, she fast forwards. She gets back. She manages to convince David that uh, there is going to be an attack, even though she can't, he can't hear their minds. Then we get another amazing action sequence as they go upstairs and Division 3 is attacking. And it's all essentially done in one shot. Uh, I was blown away by the effects of this, that they did, like... A all-in-one ha- classic Marvel TV hallway shot fight scene, but with David freezing people and putting them in walls and belting them and disintegrating oh, them and everything. Yeah, so absolutely cool. amazing. Him coming face to face with Amal Farouk, only for Amal to be tackled by a couple of cult members. Also amazing. Like the whole thing, the whole way it was staged was so superb and so beyond action sequences that you'll see on any other show. Yeah, I agree. Very well done. Yeah, it was so creative and so fantastic because it was like also different from what we've seen before. So it was very much the edge of your seat of like, oh, crap, what's going to happen now? You know, uh, is this going to be the one that sticks? Is this the time that they're not going to go back to or is this going to get rewound again? So it was it was really interesting how they did that. Well, yeah. let, and let me let me ask you a question then. It, given that we know David is the villain and should be taken down, shouldn't we be rooting against Switch? Shouldn't we be rooting against her reversing time and saving David? Yeah, I think so, and I, I think that's why it's such an interesting uh, choice that they started with Switch and we follow her, and we're sort of like, oh, I sort of liked you, but now you're rooting for the bad guy. Legion, we used to like him, and now he's the bad guy. Uh, I think it's it's just mixing up our expectations, and we don't know what's going to happen. Plus, she's well, like, also, uh, it's like, get her a dentist. She needs a dentist. Wait, what do you mean? Well, yeah, what she do you mean? She has a tooth. She has a tooth that's something. She oh, keeps touching yeah. her tooth. Uh, the teeth, yeah. She has to, like, move her, touch her teeth to try and travel. She's going to run out of teeth eventually. Well, have you tried your teeth? Have you tried touching your teeth to see if you have that same power? Hmm. I still have I my baby teeth. Oh, that's right. You still have your baby teeth. That's yeah. um, You have those tiny little baby teeth. They're going to fall that's out not, eventually. Yeah, yeah. And that's not something anybody notices about you or thinks is weird. It's <laughs> yeah. totally normal. And it's definitely uh, something we shouldn't call you. When they fall out, the tooth fairy you. is going to come, right? Oh, the tooth fairy is going to come, though, right? I, I think the tooth fairy is going to start showing up with pliers. Because <laughs> you're, you're overdue, son. Oh, man. Can't wait. Can't wait to get those sweet quarters under my pillow. Oh, wow. 
Quarters. Quarters. <laughs> oh, I forgot. What year were you born? 1930. During the Great Depression. Yeah, 1932. Wow. Wow. Great, man. Film well, had I, just started. The Great War had it begun yet. Oh, boy. It was a good I think time. Shit, I think what we have to have happen is she needs David to fight her dad and all of her dad's evil robots. So I think. I, uh, I don't know that he has robots. I mean, maybe he has robots, but there's certainly something weird going on there. Yeah. But to get I, back to the show, though, so Sw- David does fail again. He's killed by Sid again, and Switch falls through her time portal. Uh, and this time she's hijacked by Amal Farouk, who yeah. knows she's traveling through time and brings her to a tea party, as one does. As uh, I, I love this scene for a lot of different reasons, uh, not least of which was Amal Farouk laying himself out as David's very much opposite, but also the physicality that Lauren Tsai used in that scene. She's like, she's a tall woman who is acting too tall for her body, and she's hunched over the entire time and looks ready to pounce. Like, the entire time she is ready to do something. And I thought that was such an interesting directing and acting choice in particular. Yeah, especially the way she gets out of the scene when she turns the tea tray into the uh, time traveling box. I, I think that that paid it off for me. Like she was ready to yeah. spring and saw her opportunity and went for it. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. It's great. And then we switch perspective onto Division Three, and we find out what's going on with them. And it turns out a lot of stuff. First of all, uh, Carrie, not Carrie, but Carrie is. Carrie, yeah, yeah, is, I think you uh, said that wrong. No, no, it's uh, Carrie, not Carrie. You know who we're talking about, right, Pete? Yeah, the one that's now a robot? Nope, that's Tonomy. You're very far off. (laughs) Uh, Reconstitutes Tonomy. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, in fact, as you mentioned, builds Tonomy again, uh, gives him a face of robot. There's a very funny moment there where uh, clearly the actor grew a mustache or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and Carrie asked Carrie, uh, hey, why does he have a mustache? And Bill Irwin's delivery on that line where he's like, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, it I don't was know. so funny. So good. Uh, but Tani comes back, and what do you think his role is now? Because he was definitely this side element of the show for the past two seasons. But bring him back in this way, he almost seems to be taking the place of Admiral Fukuyama in a way. Yeah, or like he, I think he's uh he's R two D two. What? <laughs> what he's are you a robot? I, I he's think, a robot who helps. He's a great <laughs> character. I'm glad he's going to be around more. I always felt like he was underused, so I'm hoping for some good stuff with him moving forward. I mean, it's possible. I don't know if this is the direction of the show going, but it's possible that setting him up this way brings him out a collision course with Switch because. He's a robot, and Switch hates robots, so I could certainly see the two of them clashing. Yeah. Uh, But uh, Tanami is now leading their dirigible airship that they're flying around in. There's also an interesting conversation that Abal Farouk and Sid have, uh, where Abal talks about who is the hero and who is the villain. Isn't it interesting that they've twisted things around? Um, I like that quite a bit. Do you guys uh, now ship Shadow Sid? Uh, nope. Yeah, me either. They're flying around in an evil, like, lair. It's hard to be like, yeah, you guys are definitely the good guys. Uh, I don't know. Sid it's does striped. not look it's happy, black man. And she white. looks like she's caged it's up. It's cool. They've had a tough time. Yeah, this has been super rough on Sid. She had to appear for a couple of episodes on The Society. It's been a hard time for her. Yeah, what a nightmare. She had to switch roles with someone in playing in a a mediocre Netflix teen drama. Yeah. Hey. No, no, no. It is a mediocre Netflix teen drama. It's also very confusing because she is uh, supposed to be a teenager, and she's like, granted, the actress, Rachel Keller, is in her mid-20s, so it's not unheard of to to be playing a teen, but everybody else looks at least like 15 years younger than her. They gave her bangs. It was perfect. It was movie magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that they lead an attack, and we get to see the attack from their perspective. Again, we see the teacup thing with Asian Jimmy Fallon. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and this time, 
Switch finally manages to convince David of what's going on. And by the time they get there, he has made the entire compound disappear. Uh, and we end with smart that, move. It, yeah, we end with that incredible shot of Sid looking down at what's happening, uh, seeing the tooth that is dropped out of Switch's mouth. Uh, and then we get the shot of the Legion credits with the robots of Switch. So oh. maybe Switch is, in fact, the robot. What do you think? Oh, a toothy robot. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't think I think Switch is real. You could tell by the way she crawled through tubes. No human could do or no robot could do that. I don't know. If you think about not R2-D2, but C-3PO. Uh, in the original cut of Star Wars before George Lucas went back and did the special editions, C-3PO had uh, teeth. Yeah, that was that's my Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. C-3PO with teeth. Yeah, I think actually nice. all the robots, all the droids had teeth. <laughs> R2-D2 had a bunch of teeth around his little oh, yeah. uh, projector right, I remember that. circle. The, and, and when the uh, Luke Sonic is the like... Hedgehog rough. Yeah, when Luke is, like, uh, fiddling with R2-D2, and he's like, oh, he's got some blaster burns here or something, he just pulls out a crazy amount of teeth out of he's R2-D2. blaster burns and a bunch of fucking teeth. They swore, <laughs> they swore more on the original one, too. Yeah. <laughs> if you strike me down, I'll be more fucking powerful than you possibly <laughs> now, now, that's the cut I want to see. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, I'm your fucking father. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Man. Oh, fuck this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, swearing's cool. Luke sure fucking hey. is. Luke, suck my dick. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what the fuck? That's the, in the original script. That's in yeah. the original script. Yeah. That's why Harrison Ford said this, said that famous phrase. He's like, uh, George Lucas, you could write this shit, but I can't fucking read it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's how he was a cabinet maker. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of cabinet makers, or rather not at all, let's talk about this episode as a whole. Uh, what are you thinking going forward? I mean, I feel like this is a unpredictable show. Next episode could be like sitcom style and we'd have no idea, right? I'm down. Uh, yeah, I think they could start in a completely different place and come at this in a completely different way. This whole series could be an anth- season could be an anthology. I'm down with it. Yeah, it's just uh, it's such a crapshoot in such a glorious way. It's really fun to see what they do. I mean, the even a glorious crapshoot. Yeah, even the end credits. I was just applauding. It was just so much fun. Great yeah. music. It's great. Such a good show. Can't wait for the rest of the season. Before we end, what was real? What was not real? Pete, you want to hit us first? What was real? What was not real? Okay, obviously, anytime there's a song and dance number in a floating, swaying, uh, you know, clothing dry cleaner shop, that's totes real. That's what happens every time I go to do my laundry. So, sure, sure. That's the only real part in the whole episode. He is huffing dry cleaner chemicals every time he goes (laughs) to get his clothes cleaned. Um, I tell you what, I was on board at the start of this podcast with It's All Real, and now I think it's all inside David's head. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, wow. That's a big switch. I switched. I'm switch. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say the crawling through tubes, as I mentioned earlier, that's not real. That's something that's happening in the mind. Um, but the rest of it, I don't know. I mean, uh, obviously, like, the conversation Amal Farouk was happening with Switch was happening in Amal's mind. That was certainly a hijack happening there. He created his own space. But I think the rest of it is real. I don't know. I, I'm going to be a little disappointed if, like Pete said, we cut back at the end of the series and it's David and it's all been taking place in his mind. That that would be a little disappointing to me. Obviously, like I'm still on board and they'll probably execute it well, but I hope that's not the ending of the show. I mean, if I don't think they would end it that hard on that idea, if anything, I think it'll just be totally up in the air. I do think, I feel like we could have easily have a reveal where Legion already won. He already destroyed the world. And division three is like sort of like the matrix flying around in a ship desperately trying to stay alive and uh, win one line and try to kill him one last time for, for good. Sort of like a Snowpiercer situation? 
Yeah, because uh, the way Legion is acting is like he's has a swinging sixties cult. Like it's, it's already he's already won in some ways. Feels like. Yeah, I think I think uh, where it's really taking place is you're going to see like uh, a prom ending, and you kind of like pan out, and you see a janitor that's actually a gumball machine, and just before he like closes the door. He kind of like cries a little gumball, and it's all inside his head. Well, you said a janitor that's also a gumball machine. <laughs> what are you yep. talking about? Yeah. Is this a that's, reference to something? That sounds crazy. <laughs> Pete, answer the question, Pete. <laughs> no, it's not a reference to something. I just I think that's where the show is taking place. He was the highest of one of all of us. I guess. <laughs> And the uh, gumball machine is like, you're looking at me all wrong. That's the wrong tone. Yeah. Uh, actually, I will mention, at my high school, our janitor was a gumball machine. See? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Good reference, Pete. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for referencing my high school. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by, and we'll chat with you about Legion. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about all the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you inside Legion. Yeah. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.